Welcome to the Elite Four, a retro Pokemon tournament podcast. My name is Laura. I'm Tyler. I'm Rick. And I'm Mike. We're going to talk about Gen 1 and Gen 2 and Pokemon Stadium tournaments, as well as our battle strategies and our favorite types of Pokemon. For some background, three of us are siblings. Rick, Michael, and I are all siblings. Tyler is our honorary sibling. Um, We've known him for a long time, so basically the four of us have grown up together in a sense. Um, And we started doing tournaments because we were battling each other a lot, and we got to a point where we wanted to keep playing these retro games because Gen 1 and Gen 2 are our favorite in the series. And we felt like, obviously, the gym leaders and the other trainers you meet in the game are trash and very easy to beat. So we took it um, up in the stakes of competition level and started making tournaments to battle each other and our friends. Like, honestly, part of the reason that we did tournaments and stuff was just because we were so used to battling each other all the time. We didn't get a chance to battle other people. And then, obviously, the gym leaders are trash, and we destroy them, so. But, yeah. So, we started Pokemon tournaments. Um, I think it was Tyler who decided we should do a tournament format in the sense of, like, the four of us battled a lot, but we had a lot of friends who liked the Pokemon games, also wanted to see if we were as good as we said we were, because some of us have a little bit of egos, Michael. So, we wanted to see if we were could uh, talk the talk. It was really interesting how we kind of fell into our own, like, uh, I guess the term is metagame, because what we fell into was the Poke Cup, which was level 50 to 55, and there's, like, no legendaries, like, no Mew or Mewtwo, you can't use them, um, and there's a couple other restrictions, but there's basically, the game doesn't put that many restrictions on that cup, and uh, I think Nintendo used to call it the official cup of or official competition of pokemon um back in the day and so we kind of went to that one just because that was easy and broad and it had the most pokemon you could use in it so for poke cup there are 246 eligible pokemon that's every pokemon in the gen 2 games except lugia ho-oh mewtwo mew and celebi you have to do some really uh large gymnastics to get celebi now there's another parameter to that though because yeah it is level 50 to 55 but the the parameter is all the levels need to add up to no more than 155 so if you had a dragonite for example which evolves at level 55 excuse me dragonair evolves into dragonite at level 55 you can have a dragonite but you gotta like know full well that the other two Pokemon are level 50 and level 50 because you can't actually go over that level 155 uh, total between the three Pokemon. I think that's a great point from Rick because it's something we'll talk about later is our battle strategies. If you wanna bring a Dragonite, you're gonna have to have a different strategy than someone who wants to bring like a Starmie because Starmies doesn't have a level restriction. He can be good at 50 to 55. Dragonite's gonna have to be a 55. Could you imagine someone showing up and being able to use Tyranitar, Dragonite, and then a level 55 Snorlax? Everyone's just going to have a bad time. <laughs> I personally am not afraid of Snorlaxes because in the first tournament, like, everyone had a Snorlax except for me. Because I'm he's just not a Pokemon I like to use. 
Um, and what's funny is I think between the four of us now, we've done this enough that we kind of gravitate towards Pokemon we also like. Snorlax is an absolutely great choice. I just find him annoying. I don't want to use one, so I don't. But that has made my team a different strategy as far as like knowing which Pokemon our people are going to bring. And I think that's a topic we can talk about of in tournaments we've had like almost like a phase of popular Pokemon, Snorlax being one of them. We use Stadium 2 and a Nintendo 64 system because then obviously you're battling on a much bigger screen and it's well set up for an audience. So in all of our tournaments, the final battle, you'd have like 10 to 15 people all watching on like what, like a 32-inch TV watching this battle happen. We're not playing on consoles. We are playing on a large screen where we can have a massive audience and people commentating and like doing predictions. And it makes it that much more fun because it feels much more of like a group instead of a tiny, what, like four by four inch screen. So I actually didn't know for a long time that Stadium 2 was a game because uh, I was kind of all about Gen 1 for a long time. And I was over at your guys' house. It was like the first time I drove because the the background is we all used to live in the same town and like go to the same elementary school. But the siblings all moved to a different part of the state. So it was a while before we could hang out all as a group again. And so after quite a few years and i went over there and we were playing they said let's play some mini games on pokemon stadium i was expecting like the metapod and the the sand true games and the clefairy but they whipped out stadium 2 which i didn't even know was a game and i it kind of reignited my desire to play pokemon and battle and stuff because there were so many more pokemon and and the changes that they had made between the two generations yeah, that's that's one of the things that really that's Pokemon Stadium 2 apart, uh, when you talk about like battling, is how it's inclusive of Generation 1 and 2. Uh, it's To this day, it's the only, it's the only uh, battle system that allows you to take a generation, two different generations of games, and have a battle between them. Like You can't do that with uh, Ruby and Sapphire and Diamond and Pearl. You, you can move Pokemon from the old generation to the new one but you can't battle between the two uh, different generations because they made changes that they couldn't reconcile uh, in some way. And Stadium 2 lets you do that, which I think was just, it was great. You didn't need to have uh, gold or silver to play on Stadium 2. And so we all definitely, I would say Pokemon Stadium 2 is our favorite Pokemon game. If uh, you don't if you count it with uh including like the game boy games because you kind of need them in order to beat pokemon stadium you gave me a retro flashback to the magikarp game where it's just like carp carp for that mini game for like 20 seconds <laughs> <laughs> and the winner was just random and had no logic behind it whatsoever oh there's definitely logic you just when, you were just bad at it even 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 if you won yeah, even if you won, you you still feel like you lost. <laughs> no, no, that's the uh, that's the Golbat one. <laughs> in, yeah, in the second game. <laughs> no, 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 the 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 drowsy one. <laughs> the drowsy I... game. To this day, I still don't quite know how you win. I just push the button at a weird cadence, and sometimes it works. Well, it speeds up over time, and after a while, the timing is just like it, it goes so fast that you're just mashing the a button instead of like timing it correctly so something that we also did uh after every tournament 
was because the tournaments would go relatively late and we would always be really hungry afterwards. And there's only so many places that are open late and IHOP is 24 hours, at least our, our IHOP is, I don't know if all of them are. And we would all go there and just sit and like lament our missed opportunities, which was always really funny. One time we had um, almost 30 people at a tournament. So it wasn't just like a couple people, it ended up getting bigger. But Rick came strolling out of this side closet with a video projector that he found in there. This huge, I don't even know, like it's probably like 10 foot screen. That was pretty sweet. I think that projector looked like it was probably from 1975, but regardless, it still actually worked. And I was actually very, very surprised to put that up on the uh, on the wall of, of the basement of the church, just to actually look at it and be like, huh, this works. This is kind of neat. And since it was so old, it was projected in uh, SD, which is what the N64 puts up to the TV. Mm-hmm. And so it was, it was completely seamless. And we can probably so, talk about why Gen 1 and 2 is our favorite. I will say Gold Silver Series is the best in this series and i'm sure there's a lot of people who agree with that hopefully but for me as i would say like i'm not really a huge avid gamer but i gravitate towards these games and once the newer generations got to be like so many pokemon that you can't fathom the 500 that there are or they changed types like they added fairy and stuff that just got to be for me too complex because i was like i don't have the time to keep up with this and like gen one and two for me like Super easy to attain. Catching them all is not actually impossible. And then also, just the the classic Pokemon that you still see in, in the newer series, obviously, like a Charizard or like a Pikachu. For me, that's just the series that I'm a fan of. One thing that we all three of four of us really like about Gen 1 and 2 is that it takes Kanto and Johto and puts them together into the single game and allows you to kind of trade among the six games between themselves as long as you don't take a try to take a gen two it's a gen one game and it's it combines the two worlds really really seamlessly to be honest and it's i think it's just a really nice world build um when you transition from one to two yeah and i think definitely the level 50 to 55 for me has been the most fun because there's just a lot of options and i can raise enough pokemon in time like let's say we do a tournament next month i know i have plenty of time without stressing to raise a new set for my team and kind of try them out in the tournaments. We all raise our own Pokemon, which is something that, like if you go on and you you do some of the online battle tournaments like Pokemon Showdown, you can just generate your Pokemon and use them there. And I know that there's been some, um, a little bit of controversy with some actual video game tournaments because people would create Pokemon with Game Shark or Action Replay and then use them in tournaments. And I think we all agree that that's cheating because you didn't actually raise the Pokemon. You just like created it at the like on a whim. Um, but we all raise and catch our own Pokemon. So we might have a Pokemon that's really fast or really strong, but has like terrible HP or something like that. And it's just what we have to what we have to deal with when we're in the battles themselves. Especially with it not allowing Mews, Mewtwo's, Ho-Oh's, Lugia's. No one could just drop a level 55 Lugia and just steamroll the entire tournament. Hack the game to get a level 55 Mewtwo. (laughs) The grinding is really tough, especially using a Gen 2 game, because like in Gen 1, 
you have the missing no glitch so you can like get all the rare candies you need uh which of course you're missing out on stat experience but there were a lot of people that wanted to do level 100 when i first started doing the tournaments but those were the people that ended up not even coming <laughs> and what i liked as a, as somebody who has a fair amount of pokemon at that level now because i've done tournaments enough is it's an easy enough level to raise that it doesn't take weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks to get a solid level 50 pokemon where if you do the level 100 tournaments the last like month you're raising that Pokemon feels so useless because you have the moves that you want. You just have to like up the levels. Yeah. And for people that um, are just uh, picking up a game and maybe they haven't played in 10 or 15 years, playing through and getting to the point where you fight the Elite Four will pretty much give you a team of 50s. Yeah, you're pretty much already there. And I will add a caveat. If you're not an experienced Pokemon user, I feel like all of us are fairly experienced in the realm of Pokemon. If we're honestly ranking of the four of us, Tyler is the best user and generally the one to beat. Although we've all had a tournament win? Or has has Rick not had a tournament win yet? I don't think I've had one yet. But I have gotten close a couple times. I think we all have seconds. Got to the finals. Oh, so only Tyler and I have wins? Yeah. Oh, suck it, brothers. Well, so, you won a yeah. mini tournament. No, I won a wedding tournament at a wedding. That deserves props. That was still legit because all four of us were there. That's true. Okay, so this is a nice little tidbit for our listeners. Um, like about a year and a half ago, Rick got married, and uh, Mike had his Game Boy Color with Pokemon in his... Uh, tuxedo pocket the entire night like the entire wedding ceremony yeah oh, yeah that was a funny as hell for anyone who's unsure about our commitment to pokemon at my brother rick's wedding the night before we had a pokemon tournament and there's a cute trophy that tyler had made for the winner of that tournament because we take it that seriously that the night before his wedding we're like all right bring it on hope that becomes a tradition and for everybody's wedding uh, it better because <laughs> that's the only way we do business. Rick, was your wife okay with it? <laughs> was was she upset we played Pokemon the night before your wedding? No, no, she was not. She was actually like, I can't believe you're doing this. But then again, I can actually totally believe you're doing this. <laughs> so it, she she was kind of like, I mean, have at it, go for it. Um, it's it's your night. Um, <laughs> hang out, do do whatever you guys need to. And that's pretty mm -hmm. much how we uh, we we ended the night with um with with some Pokemon. Yeah, it was, it was a good time. Yeah, we threw we threw some Mario Kart in there too. Like some N sixty four Smash as well. For yeah, again, for those of you, I think all of us are a little bit more involved in the the N sixty four time frame with with Super Smash Brothers, Mario Kart sixty four, um, all, all all that kind of stuff. So. And so here's a question for you guys, because um, I know that like, I was in contact with a lot of the people that came to the tournaments because I invited people from work, I invited people from church, I invited people from school. And uh, so I knew a lot of times someone would be like, hey, do you think it would be a good idea to use, um, I don't know, uh, a Rhydon? And I would say, well, you know, you have some advantages and disadvantages, but did you guys sit in like, plan amongst yourselves about what you were going to build into your team or were you hoarding those secrets 
I think for me, I would definitely, I would say Tyler was probably everyone's main informant in terms of the the backboard in which everyone kind of spit ideas because Tyler is known as the guy that really, the, the guy that knows what he's doing about with respect to Pokemon. And, but I know for a fact, I would kind of keep my, uh, my team secrets away from Rick and Laura, my siblings to where like a lot of the Pokemon I would use were remain the same. And I would say they're pretty solid, but I would keep a couple secrets to myself in, in terms of, like I wouldn't tell them that I was making a new Charizard or something like that. It's like I would just show up with the with the fresh Charizard that just happens to be one level lower than the original and better in every stat. Stuff like that is what I would kind of hold away from people. I was very open about the Pokemon I'm bringing, but I would kind of hold back either move sets or stats. If I have a couple Pokemon that have like an amazing special attack stat, they they're no they know I'm gonna bring them a champ. They don't know that it's a killer Machamp and that you're going to die if he hits you. So that's kind of something I've held back. I think all four of us really kind of did uh, discuss, you know, what worked, what didn't. But with me, I would be pretty, pretty open about usually what I was trying to do, except for one thing. A wild card. So if I, yeah. Yeah, the one wild card. So if it was either, hey, I'm training a new Jolteon or I'm training a new Tauros, or there would always be one that I would like to keep in my back pocket. So I will say one of the mistakes I made and I'm much better at now, in the first tournament, I was bringing three Pokemon individually that were good. But because the way the tournaments are set up, it's 3v3, you almost need three Pokemon that play well together and kind of offset each other's weaknesses. So I know I've gotten the floor wiped with myself before when I had glaring weaknesses. Like, for example, for a while I did not have, not even an ice type, in ice move. So if anybody approached me with something that was weak against ice, I had literally nothing I could do. So I got better about balancing not only good Pokemon, but good Pokemon that worked well together. And it took me probably till tournament three to realize, oh, I'm losing because my Pokemon don't work as a team. Mm -hmm. That was a weird thing, actually, that all of us learned at the tournaments because you don't, you can use some like team cohesion uh, when you're playing through the game. But generally, you just had a lot of, like, standalone Pokemon. Like, here's my Snorlax. He's going to go out, and he's going to beat the opponent until he faints, and then I'm going to send out something else. And I think that's how almost everyone, except maybe Connor, who's a cousin of mine, he was into having some weird team strategies from from the, the first tournament. But I think most people just kind of went in with that one-off Pokemon, and we kind of stumbled into... Um, discovering that having Pokemon that work well together is really what helps people win. I think I'm somebody who's probably made the most progress and clearly has a tournament win, and my siblings do not, as far as knowing like why stats are important, why movesets are important, why balance in a team is important, because I think that's a big thing that when I played the game, you can beat the Elite Four with a Pidgeot at level 100. Like You don't actually need to be a good trainer to beat the Elite Four. But when you're playing other players that are good, you need to actually know what you're doing. But yeah, the 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 Pokemon that we picked were definitely we definitely stumbled into things that worked and learned hard lessons for things that didn't. Like I know that uh, my cousin Bailey used 
a Gengar that knew hypnosis and dream eater, which sounds like something that you should do because, oh yeah, you put them to sleep and then you regain health. But hypnosis is like super inaccurate and you can wake up. There's a chance you'll wake up and you won't know that when you're choosing dream eater. And so like that strategy doesn't really work uh, super well. What? Nothing happened. But those are all things that we just learned by having these tournaments. And we would learn them and be like, okay, I'm going to try this differently next time when we got to have the new tournament. When's it going to happen? And then what's also kind of fun about the tournaments is when you start to see some of the same regular players like we did, you know, like Tyler, Rick, and uh, there was another friend of Tyler's who also was the name Mike, who were, I would say, by and large, probably the best trainers and best battlers among the group. And so a person like me would kind of gear gear my team to try to beat Tyler or somebody or try to beat my brother or, you know, beat, beat the other Mike. And um, so you, then you start really trying to figure out, it's like, okay, what kind of types? It's okay. What can I beat? You know, who's going to have like kind of a, the least, the least expected, you know, who can I really surprise people with? And that's kind of one of the topics that we definitely um, ended up focusing on as people training a team is trying to throw a curveball in there, a nice, low and away curve get them reaching yeah the the first tournament was funny because everyone had a starmy and everyone thought that their starmy was a secret weapon because it was a water tech that could learn an electric move kind of joked that everyone raises a starmy and every single one is the same <laughs> there were so many and actually rick i don't know how your starmy is as fast as it is, it is. we should look at its stats because you have the fastest starmy i've ever seen I my starmy is legit so, and for those of you who also don't know, Starmie's also like part psychic. So sometimes I'll have a psychic move on there, which like throws everyone for a loop. We should look as a sidebar in the background, we can look it up, but we should look at like what the average speed for Starmie is and then actually report what Rick's is. Yeah, the movesets often are really similar. So my Starmie's just a track star. <laughs> We have of a lot of a lot of quotes and a lot of one-liners from that first tournament, but one of them that I said earlier is, that's the fastest Starmie I've ever seen, was a someone's sidebar comment to watching this battle. Because I think you were faster than a Gengar? Yeah, yeah, it, it out, outran a Gengar and some other electric type, and it was like, wait, no way. It could have not have been like, a Jolteon, was it? No, 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 no. Oh, but you had Quick Claw on that Starmie. Also true, yes. What did you? What move did you have? I'm sorry, I didn't catch that. No, I had the I had the Starmie holding Quick Claw. Oh, that's right. So even even though I was paralyzed, I still struck first in a lot of instances because because of the Quick Claw on top of it. Um, in Generation Two, you can have, actually have Pokemon hold the items. And sometimes each individual item gives like a special perk, like a berry will give them like 10 extra HP when they're kind of low or quick claw, for example, will give your Pokemon the ability to strike first, even if they are slower. So there's a, a benefit to kind of not just move set and stats, but also to which item you kind of allow the Pokemon to hold. So I looked up the stats while you guys were chatting and awesome. Awesome. just on a base stat or a base Pokemon, uh, Starmie 
would be more likely to be faster than a Gengar, but their speeds are almost the same. Um, as a max stat, Starmie is only five points faster, and that's max stat. I think there's definitely something to be said for shenanigans that happen in Pokemon tournaments, especially when you're playing other people at your level, because in the actual video game itself, it, not very often are you playing somebody who like has Pokemon at your same level. I feel like as you're going through the game, you're generally trashing most gym leaders and most of the, the other trainers. So when you come up against trainers that had Pokemon at your level, there's way more shenanigans. And the way we seed our tournaments is by random. We don't go in with pre-rankings. We just throw a random seed. And I know Tyler can talk about how he does it. It's essentially a bracket system. We do a two-loss elimination because we feel that if you raise a whole team for a tournament, you want to do a two-loss elimination. One loss can be a little bit painful if you get smoked by somebody who just got lucky in accuracy because it's happened many a times. Um, something, something, fissure. That's complete trash. I will say, maybe not for this episode, <laughs> I played somebody who caught this Tauros at level, <laughs> like, 50, so they didn't even raise it, got lucky, caught it, fissured me twice, knocked out my first two Pokemon because it hit. Oh, oh, knockout! So I'm starting... One Pokemon left, down to a Tauros. She is uninjured. And I was like, how did hit Fissure hit twice in a row? This is shenanigans. I don't know where that Tauros is from, but it's cheating. That was my cousin that did that. Uh, she It was actually a Rhydon. Oh, okay. And you just randomly okay. caught it because it was the correct level. Um, you might be getting confused with my Tauros of Doom. The tournaments... So after, after you guys scattered to the four corners of the country for a few years with uh like college and everything i still had a few tournaments in town here and i changed the format from double nation bracket style to like more round robin stuff and that was because people were so butthurt about losing so fast and i can totally understand that like if you spend a month and a half raising your team picking your pokemon planning out everything and then you lose in 10 minutes. Like, that sucks. But, yeah, she... I've actually sat and tried to do... Because what happened was, I think, whoever you sent out first, you wanted to switch to your Starmie because it was a Rhydon, obviously. Starmie Rhydon is, like, totally in your favor. Um, and she used Fissure and it killed you. And then later on, she killed one of my Pokemon on a Switch as well. And I was curious to see if switching makes Fissure more uh, accurate. And so I sat and just like practiced it battling against myself on stadium for a while. And it's not, but just sitting there and practicing, I did have runs where Fissure would hit like four times in a row. And it's just like chance. But if you give chance enough of a, a window, then you'll get crazy things like that. And I think another thing that happens is like when you play through the game you don't really freeze your opponent's pokemon that often like you might use blizzard a hundred times and freeze one opponent when you're playing against just the cpu but people get frozen constantly at these tournaments and in like some people they get quite upset about it and we can definitely talk about all the shenanigans that have happened because obviously that ride on that had fissure I know Rick had a furt that was insane. I have a pretty good Lapras. There's a lot of shenanigans that happens 
especially with getting frozen solid. And I think Rick should talk about his furret in that battle in our first tournament. This furret is, first of all, a champion. So <laughs> furret is not not a good Pokemon at all to, to bring to a tournament like this. But why bring a furret? I don't know. First tournament, versatility, call it what you will. The only the only way I could eventually win because I was you know all the way down on, on my HP on my health was just like freeze it and I remember looking at the screen, looking at my opponent and being like the only way I can win is freeze it. And I remember because this was a battle we were all watching. It was one of the last ones of the night. I remember Tyler looking at Rick and saying, "Your only chance is if you freeze it." And it was against a Machamp. Like a Machamp versus a Furret is a nothing battle it's like a, a zero 100 type battle after tyler saying that i look over click ice punch i remember looking at the screen and going freeze it oh it's frozen solid bam the champ's been frozen solid i'm just like yes the entire room was like no way because back to what mike said earlier it's very hard to get yourself on frozen in a battle so that's just like this fur, it's trash, this Machamp. And everyone was like, is this happening? Is this actually happening? Reality, yes. It is happening. An unbelievable, just hand of God freezed from the fur. It's one of those things that, like, it. if we didn't have that and other, like, stupid things happen at tournaments, I don't know if it would have been something that caught on as much because you know if you just go in and it's like oh my golem got surfed and i lost or oh my venusaur got hit by fire blast and i lost that's just what is expected but having like something stupid and unexpected and crazy like that happen was was something that kept people coming back uh here's a question for i know that mike has done this a few times and i've done this quite a bit have you guys ever re-raised a Pokemon that you were already using? Let's say you had a Charizard, took it to the tournament, didn't quite do as well as you hoped, and then you looked at the stats and were like, oh, you know, he's actually a little bit slow. Um, have been you if you like gone back and started with Charmander again and raised up uh, to improve those stats? I literally did it with Charizard. <laughs> and, uh, and my Snorlax, whose name is Patrick and Patrick Jr., I want to do it with my Arcanine. I'm just not sure if it's worth it because I made some changes to my team strategy. And Arcanine, for me, he's actually not an amazing Pokemon. I just like that Pokemon a lot. So back to what I said earlier, sometimes I'll use Pokemon that I just like better. But he's one that I would go re-raise because his defense is pretty low for an Arcanine. I'm looking at my two Charizards, the one that I originally raised and then the one I um, breeded from it. And his defense is actually worse than the original one, but his special... <laughs> Special attack and attack is actually much, much better. So you have your Game Boy out right now, Mike? Uh, so my junior Charizard, his attack 124, defense 110, special attack 145, which is pretty solid for a fire Pokemon. Special D 121, speed 125. That's the, that's the second one. Well... Since this is our first podcast, we're still working on a cool, fancy outro. Wham! Out of there! So for this one, it might be a bit of an abrupt end, but we'll dive into more strategies, 
and some of our favorite pokes, who we think is underused, who we think is overused as we move forward in this podcast. But I think that'll wrap up Elite Four Retro Pokemon Tournament Podcast. I'm Laura. Tyler. I'm Rick. I'm Mike. If you have any questions or comments or want us to dive anything, give you some suggestions for your Pokemon, we have a Gmail, and it's elite4podcast at gmail.com. Mm-hmm.